testimony. Anybody at all? If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Exodus chapter 30, beginning at verse 34. Our topic for the last several weeks has been the subject of biblical worship. We've been t- looking at for the last few weeks, before we had to cancel service because of the weather, the scent of biblical worship. And I don't know what it is about this passage, but it just speaks to my heart every time I read it. The Bible says in verse 34 of Exodus 30, And the Lord said unto Moses, Take unto thee sweet spices, stacte and onica, and gabanum, these sweet spices with pure frankincense. Of each there shall be a like weight, and thou shalt make it a perfume, a confection after the art of apothecary, tempered together, pure and holy. And thou shalt beat some of it very small, and put it, put of it before the testimony in the tabernacle of the congregation. For I will meet with thee. It shall be unto you most holy. And as for the perfume which you, thou shalt make, ye shall not make to yourselves according to the composition thereof. It shall be unto thee holy for the Lord. Whosoever shall make like unto that to smell thereto shall even be cut off from his people. The first few words of verse 34 jump out at me. And the Bible says, The Lord said to Moses. How many know that the Bible tells us that God spoke to Moses face to face? God spoke to Moses and no, and, 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 and he never did any other person in the way he did to Moses. There was a very special relationship there. But also, God had warned Moses, when you build my tabernacle, make sure you follow the pattern and the instructions I gave you on the mountain. Follow them to a T. How many know that God was serious? Moses believed that. And so far in this Part of our series, we've looked at the materials of the incense. You've seen them in verse 34. The stacte, the anica, the gabanum, the frankincense. And we looked at those materials and we kind of compared them in a way to how precious the Lord Jesus Christ is. But then the second part, not only the materials of the incense, we see the mixing of them. Look in verse 34 again. And the Lord said unto Moses, Take unto these sweet spices, Stacte, Annika, and Galbanum, these sweet spices of pure frankincense, of each there shall be like a weight, and thou shalt make it a perfume, a confection after the art of apothecary, tempered together, and notice these next two words, pure and holy. And thou shalt be some of it very small, put it before the testament of the tabernacle of the congregation, where I will meet with thee, 
it shall be unto you most holy. I want to look for a little while tonight at the personal aspect of worship. And God told Moses about this perfume. God says, take it and temper together, pure and holy. And anything that God sets aside for himself, it is pure and holy. It must be pure and holy. And I want you to realize, as I think about that requirement, there are two ways if we're going to approach God, we need to approach him in these two ways. Number one, we have to be holy. We need to be holy. Again, Verse 35, temper together, pure and holy. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 66, verse 18, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Isaiah wrote, chapter 59, verse 2, But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you. That he will not hear. God told Moses that that perfume is to be pure and holy. And if we are going to approach God, we must approach him in holiness. God is so big. He is so good. God is so beyond our mortal minds. And there are so many ways for you and I to learn more about God. And even the more we learn, the more we realize God is so incomprehensible. And one of the many attributes of God that makes him so big is his holiness. The holiness of God. And it's really a, an abstract idea that people understand is related to goodness. We understand that sin offends God. And the Bible teaches that holiness is something all of us need to aspire to. Make it a part of our lives. When we, when we think about God... Holiness is his natural state. God cannot be anything but holy. 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 And while that holiness is the natural state of God, it's the opposite of our sinful nature. And holiness is simply a state of perfection. A state of being fully sanctified and set apart for God. And that perfume... It may have looked like any perfume you might make, but not this perfume. It was set apart for God. And anything that is set apart for God is pure and it's holy. Because God sanctifies us. So what does holy mean when the Bible speaks about it? And in reality, holiness is an abstract concept because it is so foreign to our human nature. We turn to sin and darkness. 
And before we were born, we were strangers to God. We were strangers to His holy nature. And so holiness is actually the opposite of sin. Opposite of goodness, opposite of love, opposite of wisdom. But I'm so glad that we have a God who in His Word demonstrated what it means to be holy. In chapter 12 of Genesis, God chose a family that would begin with Abraham. And God set apart the descendants of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, and God set them apart to be a holy nation. And I want you to know that God didn't choose the Jews because they were any wiser or any anything of their own. But he set them apart to be a nation that would demonstrate to the world what it means to live holy and to live for God. That was the purpose God called them. God instituted the law to show what was right and was wrong. But also he did that to institute rules to keep people clean. And God said, you need to do that for I am the Lord your God. In Leviticus chapter 11, verse 44, God said this, For I am the Lord your God. You shall therefore sanctify yourselves, and you shall be holy, for I am holy. Neither shall you defile yourself with any manner of creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. Now, by the way, Jason didn't put the uh, verses up there. And the reason is my fault. I, I began to look at this again today and decided to look a little deeper what holiness means, so I didn't text him my verses for that tonight. But God was giving them part of their dietary restriction and things they couldn't even touch. And, and God said, don't defile yourself with these things. Don't even touch them. You're to be holy before God. Now, later on in the New Testament, Jesus comes and he clarifies that it's not what we take into the body that defiles us. It's not what we take in that makes us unrighteous. Jesus said what defiles the body is what comes out of the mouth. But Jesus said what comes out of your mouth begins where? In your heart, in the inner man. So when we think about holiness today, it means striving for holiness. It means having a relation with God by defined obedience to His will. And it means being shaped into the character of God. That's what holiness is. Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 7, For God has not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. So God has called you and I unto holiness. And being holy 
makes you and I as believers to be set apart from the evils of this world. And being holy makes us now useful for the kingdom of God. He's called us to holiness. To be holy means we're sanctified. That is, we're separated unto God. It means we're different and we're distinct from everything common. God has made a difference in our life. But think about this. Only God is distinct and different from everything and everyone else. Only God is completely holy. Why? Because holiness is a very part of his nature. He has to be holy. It doesn't matter what it is. Everything has a particular inherent quality, which is its nature. Now, it used to be, for example, the nature of a car was mostly metal. Now, there's some plastic involved in that. But the nature was mostly metal. So what is God's nature? God's nature, His being, is holy. And His holy nature makes God unique. He is different, and He's also distinct from everything else in the universe. No one or anything else is like our God. No one. And the Bible teaches that God has chosen us to be like Him. The Bible says we're to be holy as He is holy. And the bottom line is, the Bible tells us that to be holy is something related not to our behavior, but being holy begins in our inward nature. Now, as we begin to understand the meaning of holy, it helps us realize that adopting our outward behavior, such as the way we dress, the way we act or even talk in certain ways. Or even isolating us ourselves from society. Those things do not make us holy. How many know we can do all of those things outwardly and still not be holy? And the fact of the matter is, and we see it often in our world, People can behave outwardly in a pious way without being saved. No matter how they behave, it doesn't make them holy unless they've been born again and have the life and nature of God. It begins with being born again. So how can we be holy? That's the call. Even the perfume that God described in Exodus chapter 30 had to be pure and holy. We need to be pure and holy. So we look at ourselves and we wonder how in the world can we ever be sanctified? How can we be separated unto God from everything common? How can we be holy in the way that God 
is holy? What a question. I can only speak for myself tonight. But I have to admit that in certain areas of my life, I'm still worldly. Through and through. And I think in our lives tonight, if we're honest, we're not altogether distinct or different from what's common. And in some areas of our life, we're not separated under God. And that's part of holiness. But the moment we were born again, we received the life of God in our spirit. At that time, the process of God's full salvation of our whole being began. And part of that is God making us holy. Now, I mentioned this morning when the Bible speaks about being saved, it literally means the process of being saved. And the moment we trusted Jesus Christ as our Savior, that process began. And I understand God's desire is to make our whole being holy. Again, the moment you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior, positionally you are saved as you'll ever get. But now God begins a process of working on our life, in our lives, making us more and more holy, like He is holy. So how does God do this? Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4 says this. According as He has chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy, there's our word, and without blame before him in love. So how does God do that? God makes us holy by imparting himself into our being. Into our being. That our whole nature, our whole person might be permeated and saturated with His holy nature. One of my favorite verses in Peter's Gospels, his letters to the church, I should say, Second Peter 1.4. Peter says, Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. Let me stop there for a moment. How many are glad for the promises God gave us? Peter says they're great and they're precious. Here's what he says. That by these, meaning promises, we might be partakers of his divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. The moment we were saved... We began being partakers of the divine nature of God. Folks, that is so important in understanding what God is doing in our life. And so for you and I, the ones that have been born again, 
To be holy is to partake of God's divine nature and to have our whole being permeated with God himself. I thought about that today and and I came to a conclusion I need to be like a sponge. Soak up all I can. Soaking up God's divine nature. Now think about this. This is totally different from mere sinlessness or mere sinless perfection. It is different from sinless purity because this makes our being holy in God's nature and character just like God himself. And so I don't become holy, we don't become holy by reforming ourselves. But we become holy by God imparting himself, the unique holy one, in us. We have that divine nature in us now. From the moment we're saved, from the very moment we're saved, God wants to import himself into us more and more until we are permeated and saturated with his holy nature. He wants us to become more and more like him. And by the way, this does not happen instantaneous. It is a moment by moment, little by little. It takes time. But my friend, as we walk with God, God is making us holy. And this permeating process that makes us holy will continue throughout our whole Christian life. And to be fully saturated with God's holy nature doesn't happen automatically. And it doesn't happen against our will. So if we are going to be fully saturated, God needs our daily cooperation. God wants to, but are we willing to let it happen? Are we cooperating with God that we might soak up His divine nature? We've been preaching now for about six months on the new life we have in Christ on Sunday morning. And without a doubt, we, we need to allow Him to impart more of His holy nature within us. And when we're saturated in this way, we will be holy. And as we begin and continue to grow in that divine nature, we will, we will live being affected by what God's doing in our life. It will change the way we live. So we mentioned it. it's going to require our daily cooperation. God wants to make us holy. He wants us to be holy. And so we need to cooperate to do that. So how do we cooperate with God? Well, number one, by going along with Christ who lives in us. Amen. By going along with Christ who lives in us. 
Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Now, by the way, the word sanctification is the verb form of the word holy in the Greek. The verb form of the word holy. And Christ became sanctification to us from God. The moment we trusted Jesus Christ, He came into us, and He came into us to be our life. Paul said he was crucified with Christ, yet he lived. Yet not him, but Christ in him. And Christ brought the holy nature, his holy nature, of God to sanctify us, to make us holy. We can't do it on our own. And that's how we explain our, our experiences, our experience of life after we've been saved. And I look back in my life and when I was first saved and I can remember little by little, I began to feel different about things. I began to slowly look at life differently before I received Jesus Christ. I no longer had a strong desire to engage in sinful activities. And when I did, and when I do now, I feel so uncomfortable there. You know why? Because I don't belong there anymore. His divine nature is in me. And He's working to saturate my life with His holiness. And I want you to know something. That uncomfortable feeling doesn't come from an outside regulation. And I know what the thou shall not, what God said. I know all of that. But that unholy, that uncomfortable feeling doesn't come there. It comes from the Lord Jesus Christ who lives in us. And that's why as a child of God, if we're caught up in sin, we're not uncomfortable there. And the reason for that is, now that Christ lives in us, from within us, He now lets us know His feeling about worldly, sinful, unclean things and activities that don't correspond with His holy nature. And when we sense that feeling from the Lord, my friend, we should not ignore it. And if there, should ever, if there should ever come a time in our lives where we are comfortable in sin, we better run to Jesus. And if we would choose to continue in those things, even after we know that the Lord doesn't approve them, that will prevent us from becoming holy. 
But if we separate ourselves from those things, if we separate ourselves from those activities, we allow Him to saturate us more and more with His holy nature. So how do we do it, number one? We follow Christ. We follow Christ who lives in the But second of all, how do we become holy? By reading His Word. It'd be so easy, easy for me to read the Bible and come to a verse and think, boy, hey, I wish Rick could hear that verse. He needs that verse. Or I wish Brother Paul Wheeler saw that he needs that verse. But you know what I, I discovered a long time ago when I'm reading the Word of God? He's not talking to Rick or Paul. He's talking to me. God wants to speak to me. In John 17, we have the what theologians call the high priestly prayer of Jesus. Uh, the other night we were uh, went out for supper. Pam won't cook anymore, and so if I'm going to eat, either I cook it or I take her. Oh, I got to take her out. Is it, Lord? I'm kidding. Okay, I'm not trying. But but anyway, and we were sitting there waiting on our order, and I, I, I began to think about what I read that morning in the Scriptures. And tears began to roll down my face. Now, I'd ordered hot wings, but I didn't have them yet, okay? Hot wings make me cry, too. But but I didn't have them yet. And Pam said, what's the matter? I said, I'm just thinking about what I read this morning in my daily Bible reading of what Jesus did for me. And it happened to be in John 17 I read that morning. And I read there that Jesus told the Lord, I don't just pray for these 12 disciples. I pray for all of those who are come to, are to come to know him through his preaching. That's me and you. I thought, Lord, you prayed for me. You prayed for me. But anyway, in John 17, verse 17, Jesus said, Sanctify them through thy truth. And then Jesus said, your word is truth. Your word is truth. Every word of God is truth. And as we read the word of God, the word as truth shines on us. And sanctifies us. Paul wrote to a young preacher named Titus. And this verse just came to my mind. And he told Titus, we're made pure through the washing of the word. And as we allow the word of God to shine in our lives. We realize what agrees with God's holy nature and what doesn't. And whenever we come to the Word of God and we come with an open heart, and that's critical, folks. 
The Word of God enlightens us, shines a light on our lives, and it teaches us to be holy. And it teaches us how to be holy. 1 John chapter 2, look at verse 15 and 16. The Bible says in verse 15 of 1 John 2, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Verse 16 says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but of the world. When we come to God's Word with an open heart, and we read passages like 1 John 2, 15 and 16, those words will shine on us, and they will enlighten us concerning the world. Concerning the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and even the vain glory, the pride of life. And I read those words, and in this light, I begin to realize and sense how God feels about our love for a particular aspect of this world. And the light of the word may even shine on us on how we spend our time and what we do with our money. And as we read the Word of God and we allow it to illuminate our lives, and the result of this shining, we might pray something like this, Lord, I agree with your Word. I see with my eyes and I hear with my ears and my heart, Lord, and I agree with your Word. So, Lord, separate me from the, separate me from the world. And, God, keep me from loving the world. And how many that's a hard battle? Lord, keep me from loving the world. Keep me, Lord, from the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes. And, Lord, keep me from the pride of life. And, church, don't kid yourselves. We all struggle with those areas. And I read the Word of God, and it shines on my heart. And I realize, God, I can't do it on my own. I need your We need to read the Word of God, and not just sporadically. We need to spend time every day reading a portion of God's Word. And I will guarantee you something right here. Not because of me, but because of God's Word. If you read God's Word consistently... You will know by experience the difference it makes in your life over just reading it sporadically. My friend, it is so important. It will make a difference in your life. How many have at least one Bible at home? How many have at least two? How many have lost count? How many of you have? <laughs> Amen, all right? 
I don't know how. Uh, we were we were remodeling. Uh, Pam wanted to remodel our, my computer room. She couldn't wait till I tore the house apart. And one of our, I don't know if you call it entertainment. So it used to be an entertainment that so we use it now to, to put pictures on for the grandkids and store some books in one side of it. And I don't know how many Bibles she pulled out of there that we have. Um, and there's nothing wrong with having more Bible. But you know what I found out? When I leave them on the shelf, they don't do me any good. I don't care if you've got one, two, or ten. Leaving, leaving them on the shelf does us no good. So it's not having the Bible at home that sanctifies us. But it's the words in this Bible that sanctify us because they shine on their hearts. And the more we read God's Word, the more consistently we read God's Word with prayer and an open heart, the more we are sanctified, the more holy we become. So if we're going to cooperate with the Lord to be made holy, we need to read God's Word every day. And the problem is, on my part, there are some times in my life, and I don't like to admit this, when God's Word shines in my heart and speaks to me, I really don't want to, I really don't want to agree with it. And I have to learn, Lord, when you're shining into my heart, when I realize you're speaking to me, whatever verse it might be, I am not to resist or argue with the shining God gives me, but I'm to agree with it and allow that illumination of the Word to sanctify my Life. So we cooperate by following Jesus, by reading God's Word, and the third way we cooperate is by cleansing ourselves from defilement. In Second Corinthians chapter seven, verse one. The Bible says, having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, notice this, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. I have... I am thankful that God gave me a wonderful wife. But she is a fanatic about keeping our house clean. And she married a slob. She apologized to me the other day. She said she's sorry she ever married me. I'm kidding. She didn't say that. 
I think she thinks that sometimes. <laughs> and I'm glad I've married her because I, without her, my house would not be clean. <laughs> I've tried to clean it for her a couple of times. Number one, it's hard work and I don't like it. Number two, no matter what I do, it doesn't please her. You understand that feeling, Rick? Amen, brother. Okay. Ruby's, just, Ruby's even, I think, worse. <laughs> Sorry, Ruby. I decided to throw you in, okay? But the fact of the matter is, folks, there's some things in our life we need to get rid of. Paul says to cleanse ourselves from filthiness of the flesh and spirit. And the whole point that Paul makes is to perfect holiness in the fear of the Lord. And I've read the commandments in the Old Testament in Leviticus, and Peter repeats it in his letter to the churches, where God says, Be you holy, for I am holy. And and that is a command. But I'm at the point in my life, I don't want to be holy just because God commanded it. I want to be holy because it pleases Him. I want to be holy because I love Him. And so now that we're saved, and no matter how long we're saved, we need to maintain a healthy fear of God. And in one of the areas I'm talking about is a fear of offending God, the one who sent His Son to die for our sins. And having that kind of healthy fear, it will encourage us to cooperate with God to cleanse ourselves from defilement. So how do we do that? And if we're going to cleanse ourselves, we've got to make some hard choices. Yes. It means that we don't go to places that are unclean in the eyes of God. It means we stop participating in vile, sinful activities. It means that we get rid of anything we possess that offends God's holy nature. And church, we need to realize tonight... That if we engage in defiling activities, and if we possess an unclean and sinful things, all of those kind of things will prevent us from becoming holy. And so I find it interesting that Paul says to cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. And the reason the Bible tells us that, because that's what God wants us to do. And God wants us to do that so He can continue to impart Himself to us. That we can become more and more holy, just like He is. Let's stand together.
God told Moses that perfume that's going to sit in the holy place in front of the Holy of Holies. He said, Moses, it has to be pure and holy. And my friend, if we're going to approach God, we too need to be pure and holy. Who can stand before the Lord, the psalmist asked. Psalm 24, those with clean hands and a pure heart. Let's pray. Father, we love you today. We thank you for who you are. We thank you, Lord, that when we speak about holiness, it doesn't come for our own reforming. It comes from your divine nature within us. And Lord, I know that the divine nature is there, but now I need to cooperate with that divine nature in order to become holy like you. I pray, Lord, that you'll speak to our hearts, not only tonight, but throughout the week, that we would make sure we are cooperating with God so that we might be more and more like you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.